Welcome to this special edition podcast of the New York Academy of Sciences, brought to you by the Sackler Institute for Nutrition Science. This podcast is presented in collaboration with Diabetes and Oral Disease, Implications for Health Professionals, a conference being held on May 4, 2011 at the New York Academy of Sciences. You know this sound. We all do it. And if you're one of the really good ones, you also floss. Good oral hygiene helps prevent tooth decay, gets rid of plaque and tartar, and prevents gum disease. But did you know the health of your mouth has a lot to do with the health of the rest of your body? And the health of your body can have a big impact on the health of your mouth, especially if you have diabetes. Now, you're probably thinking, I don't have diabetes. That's rare, right? Wrong. Meet Pam Allweis. She's an endocrinologist and public health expert at the Center for Disease Control's Division of Diabetes Translation. We have an epidemic of diabetes, okay? And we're talking about 57 million people who have diabetes. And that's 57 million people in the United States. In fact, the problem of diabetes is getting worse so fast that by 2050, the CDC estimates that one in every three Americans will have the disease. And this doesn't even include the people who have something called pre-diabetes, a condition where blood sugar levels are higher than normal, but not quite high enough to be considered diabetic. More than 79 million people in the U.S. are considered pre-diabetic. So what's causing this epidemic? In short, bad diets and poor nutrition. And what's making some cases worse is bad oral hygiene. Ira Lamster is the Dean of the School of Dental and Oral Surgery at Columbia University. We do know that diabetes mellitus is a risk factor for periodontal disease. So to be clear, diabetes mellitus is just a fancy name for a group of diseases in the diabetes family, which causes a person to have unusually high blood sugar. Periodontal disease is the fancy name for gum disease. Peri is from the Greek word around, and dontal means tooth. So if you have diabetes mellitus, your chances of having periodontal disease are greater, probably by a factor of about two and a half or three. And it turns out that it also works the other way around. There is data that suggests that if you have periodontal disease, you're at risk for the development of diabetes mellitus. But Lamster says there's not a lot of research for periodontal disease actually causing diabetes. It's more likely that a patient has diabetes mellitus, then develops periodontal disease as a complication of diabetes mellitus, then that periodontal disease could, could in turn affect the diabetes mellitus. So it starts with one place, goes to another, then goes back to the way you began. So having diabetes can put you at a higher risk for developing periodontal disease. And having periodontal disease can, in turn, make your diabetes worse. But wait, what does your mouth have to do with your pancreas? Let's start with why diabetes puts you at greater risk for periodontal disease. Here's Allweiss again. What happens is anytime you have a bacterial infection and it's in the mouth, it's a very mixed picture. That it's, it's basically a type of infection, all right? So that your body then will have an inflammatory response, okay? So you're going to have all these kinins and white blood cells, etc. come. Now, the science of any type of infection would be that your white blood cells have to travel to the site of the infection, and then white blood cells carry kinins and all kinds of things to help attack the bacteria. If a person's ability to fight an infection is diminished, then it's very hard to control 
this infection. So people who um, have elevated blood glucose levels have a harder time fighting infection. So now let's assume your diabetes has caused some periodontal infections. How can these infections make your diabetes worse? Here's Lamster. Periodontal disease starts as an infection, a bacterial infection in the mouth, around the teeth. As a result of the infection, the body develops an inflammatory response with an influx of white blood cells, leukocytes, that then produce mediators that can have an effect on your health. How is that? The mediators refer to as interleukins or cytokines, gain access to the circulation and actually can desensitize the receptors on cells that bind to insulin. The result is the cells don't take insulin in and you become hyperglycemic. So periodontal disease, periodontal inflammation can increase your risk for poor metabolic control if you're diabetic. One thing that's important to note is that if your diabetes is under control, meaning that you make sure your blood sugar is regulated either with insulin or dietary changes, your risk of gum disease is significantly lower, much closer to somebody without diabetes. Meet George Taylor. He's an oral epidemiologist and a dentist at the University of Michigan. He and his team focus almost all their research on the connection between periodontal disease and diabetes. We conduct observational studies in which there are no interventions or no treatment provided. We also conduct treatment studies or randomized controlled trials. And we also analyze existing data, such as large national databases, like the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, where there's information about oral health, there's information about systemic health, and there's also information about many other characteristics of the United States population. One of the populations Taylor has spent time studying are the Pima Indians, a Native American population with one of the highest prevalences for diabetes in the world. They also have an easily traceable genetic record, as they tend to marry within their community and they've lived in the same region in Arizona for hundreds of years. With the Pima Indians' help, Taylor was able to look closely at the connection between gum disease and diabetes. We started out with people who had little or no gum disease and they had diabetes. And we separated the people into three groups. Those with no diabetes to compare um, the rest of the subjects in the study. Then we had a group with better controlled diabetes and then a group with poor controlled diabetes. And what we found over a two-year period is that the periodontal disease, as we measured it by loss of alveolar bone or bone supporting the teeth, um, which is a measure of periodontal disease progression, we found that people with no diabetes were least likely to have progression of periodontal disease. People with better controlled were more likely than those without diabetes to have progression. And those with poorly controlled diabetes were most likely to have worsened periodontal disease at, after two years follow-up. Now because these two conditions have a bi-directional relationship, it also happens that if a person with diabetes and gum disease gets their blood sugar levels under control, in most cases their periodontal disease will have a better chance of healing. And vice versa. If a dentist treats a patient's gum disease, it can help steady the person's blood sugar levels. This raises the question, what are doctors and dentists doing about this? Here's Lamster. What we're starting to do is we're starting to look now at how dentists can become more involved in a proactive way in the health of their patients, especially as it relates to diabetes mellitus. So it is conceivable that you walk into your dentist in the future 
he or she looks at your mouth, sees a periodontal problem, maybe sees some redness, maybe sees saliva, salivary flow is, is not what it should be, and says, you know, given your family history, and let's say there is a positive family history, I think we need to evaluate you for diabetes mellitus. Has anybody ever told you? Patient says no. Well, it's quite conceivable that right then and there, the dentist will take a small little drop of blood from the finger stick, run it through a, a point of care, a POC type of test, and say, aha, uh -huh, the reading is high. We need to get you to a physician so that you can be fully evaluated. That's an exciting possibility because 70% of adults in this country see a dentist at least once a year. So it's a whole new way that patients can contact the healthcare system. The situation Lamster talked about is still just an exciting possibility. Dentists aren't testing for diabetes in their patients just yet, nor are many doctors suggesting that their diabetic patients see a dentist for treatment of their gum disease. But it may not be far in the future. The key, says Allweiss, is training medical professionals to think with a team mentality and make sure they've got the information they need. Because of this whole idea of having a team approach, the National Diabetes Education Program, which is a joint CDC and NIH program, several years ago, came out with some educational modules for health professionals. Because when we were looking at the traditional healthcare professionals, we were talking about physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs, etc. But the other folks, like pharmacists, podiatrists, optometrists, and dentists, weren't really involved, but they played a huge, huge role in the total care of a person with diabetes. Allweiss's team created a working group to help bridge this gap, and they target a few key areas. One, very important for the primary care providers to really know about this connection, okay? And that's why we're educating the primary care providers. Two, very important to educate the dentists to look for it and then to either refer, screen, or do whatever. But if you don't think about it, you're not going to know about it. Okay, so we're trying to raise the awareness effort. We're also working with provider organizations. For instance, many have checklists for quality assurance. Did you look at the feet? Did you look at the eyes? Did you give your person a flu shot? Some have oral health as a component, some do not. This teamwork approach for tackling the diabetes and gum disease connection isn't just a time saver for doctors and dentists, and a great thing for a patient. It also costs everyone less money. Taylor's team conducted a study on treatments, which had some pretty impressive results. We conducted a study where we looked at people over time who had treatment for periodontal disease. This was a group of people with diabetes, a large group of people in Michigan with diabetes. And we looked at whether or not they received treatment, um, either dental routine dental cleanings or other kinds of routine periodontal treatment that people would be likely to receive in a general practitioner's office. We didn't want to focus only on the kind of care that people would get in a specialist office. And what we found was that for people who received routine periodontal treatment, that would be either routine cleanings or scaling and root planing, we found that the medical care costs for people with diabetes was actually lower by about up to 10% than those who uh, did not have, um, who had not had those periodontal treatment services. And that's important when you think about thousands or millions of people who are insured. Caveat is that those are people who are fortunate enough to have dental insurance. Of course, what happens to the large 
segment of the population that doesn't have dental insurance. They don't go to the dentist as much. They may go only for emergency procedures, and yet they still, you know, have the burden of risk for and also management of their diabetes. Whether or not someone has health care, getting patients the information they need is really what matters, says Allweiss. For the New York Academy of Sciences, I'm Alana Rangi. This was a special edition podcast of the New York Academy of Sciences, brought to you by Diabetes and Oral Disease, Implications for Health Professionals, a conference being held on May 4, 2011 at the New York Academy of Sciences. The conference is jointly presented by the Columbia University College of Dental Medicine, the Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons, and the New York Academy of Sciences. The conference is supported in part by Oral Health America, Aetna Dental, Colgate Palmolive, the Institute for Oral Health, and the Life Technologies Foundation. For more information on the upcoming conference, log on to www.nias.org.